0: I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that season two is gonna be absolutely incredible because in season two i have a co-host co-host say hello hello that's caroline she's now my co-host so season two of shareable is gonna be a little bit different we're still talking about people and technology but we're gonna go a little bit deeper a master class so grab your favorite pen
1: and your favorite piece of paper
0: and get ready to take some notes because this is shareable Welcome back to Shareable. I have to come up with some new material for how I open the show. I I feel like... I know. New season, like new new intro. New intros. I got to do something because I I want it to be more lively and exciting. Maybe we should get a drum kit. I don't think being boring is one of the the comments that we get often. It's not what we get. People say we're lovable. Um, Or obnoxious. Could be one of those. So, uh, Shareable listeners, one... Bears repeating, we love you. We really appreciate we that you keep coming back to our show to hear our voices and hear our thoughts and our guests who are amazing. Speaking so of amazing. which, speaking of which, mm-hmm. we have a guest on the line. Yeah, he's also amazing. We should talk to him about it. Richard. <laughs> how are
1: That's- you? That's I am doing outstanding, and, and let me say there is a fine line between lovable and obnoxious, and I think, <laughs> I think if we straddle that just so, it's really for the benefit of everybody. You know, I
0: really do always, in all things, try to straddle the line, whatever it might be.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Richard,
0: who are you and what do you do? And please, do not be humble. In fact, please humble brag. Tell us who you are and what you do and what you're all about, man.
1: Humble brag. So I am... My name is Dr. Richard Schuster, for those of you who don't know me. And I am... Those people. I am the host of the daily helping podcast, Food for the Brain, Knowledge from the Experts, Tools to Win at Life. So my show is regularly pulled down in over 60 countries. And my show's mission is to help you become the best versions of who you are because I believe that if everybody is doing what they love and those things that they're passionate about, we are happier, we feel more fulfilled and the world, as a result of that, becomes better than it was if we're not. And my show's movement is that each and every listener goes out after the show and does something positive, something to help somebody else, a random act of kindness, and post it in their social feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping. When I am not recording episodes of my show with really cool and exciting guests, I am a clinical psychologist with subspecialties in forensic and neuropsychology. I've done some work... With the Cleveland Clinic in my training with the NFL Concussion Protocol Program, which was pretty exciting. And I'm also starting a nonprofit to help children reach their true potential. That's going to launch in Q1 2018 by providing speech, physical, and occupational therapy to those kids that just need a boost to become the best versions of themselves.
0: Damn, dude. <laughs> Damn. Damn need a better intro (laughs) i i'm we need need to know how many countries we're (laughs) broadcasting to and we need to figure out what our grand purpose is because your your daily helping for today richard was that you made us consider our entire life's purpose so (laughs) let me okay now i need to know so okay wow your resume amazing Two, uh, how'd you get this way? Like, what talk to me about how you became the person that thought all of these things are things that you want to get into, specifically the wanting to help people live their better life, whatever. How'd you grow up? What's your deal? Where'd you come from? What's your thing?
1: (laughs) So, I I grew up the, the short version of this is I grew up in southeast lower Michigan, and you know, mom previously was a school teacher. My dad was an entrepreneur. He was a a dentist. And so I always kind of had these really cool influences in my life. My dad in particular, I know a lot of times when patients would come in and and there would be kids that couldn't afford the procedures, he would either give them away or or give them heavily discounted rates so that they could make that happen, which was really cool. And, you know, I I have to say, despite that upbringing, something happened to me after college. And, you know, well, up until about the age of 22, 23, everybody had something to offer me. I felt like when I got out into the corporate world you know, and I started to have to climb that ladder, we all say, oh, we've got to achieve all these goals and make all this money. I became quite a jerk. A- and again, like this wasn't because of my parents, They're, who are awesome, wonderful people, but I really became wildly focused on material things, fast cars and money and boats and all of these things. And, and there's nothing wrong with fast cars and there's certainly nothing wrong with boats. So I'm not <laughs> anti-those things. I'm not anti-entrepreneurial mm, in nature. There are in, fact, in the water. <laughs> there, there are. But if you're in your boat, you're generally pretty good. But you know, for me, like I, I liken myself to if, – if you've ever seen the Nick Cage movie Family Man, I was kind of him – in the beginning part of that movie, or at least I wanted to be him, didn't want anything to do with with ever having a family, just wanted to you know, be this kind of jet setting, you know, fancy, exciting living life just for those things. And then I, I started a company, an, an IT consulting company. And along the way, as I was doing that, I had a life changing moment, nearly a life ending moment in which on what was otherwise an unremarkable Saturday afternoon, uh, I was in a near-fatal car accident in which I broke my back, uh, suffered severe injuries internally, did some pretty decent damage to my neck. And what we know... And I'm going to get a little nerdy on you guys here. Is that from the, a standpoint of neuroscience, we've studied near-death experiences, and there is a kind of a common theme that a lot of people experience, and that it is time tends to sl- slow down dramatically. Much like if you think about that scene in the in the Matrix where Neo for the first time is seeing bullets just kind of moving, that's what I was seeing. Not not bullets, of course, but I, what I was seeing was my windshield shatter and the center console crushing into my ribs, and what was maybe over the span of, I'd say, two or three seconds felt like an eternity to me, in, in which I'm having this internal dialogue, and I'm saying to myself, you know, Richard, you're you're about to die, like you are dying right now, and I, I started to think of all of the things in my life that I was proud of, and didn't have many, uh, and all of the things that I wasn't proud of, and there were a lot, and mostly how I was living my life, what kind of legacy was I leaving? How would my family you know, react to the news? I wasn't married at the time or dating anybody. So, you know, I was thinking about what it was going to be like for my mom when she got the call from the police that her son was dead. And so it wasn't like this Ebenezer Scrooge kind of thing per se, where the next day I was handing out toys to children in orphanages and orphanages and such like that. But I really took stock of my life. And I spent quite a bit of time convalescing, you know, a lot of rehab and physical therapy and such to get back to where I am today. Um, And I did go back to work and I went back to this business, but it was almost like everything was like a shade of gray. Like nothing was the same for me, guys. And I felt just miserable. And I think for a lot of reasons, because of fear Uh, fear of letting people down because I told so many people I was going to start this business and I was going to make all this money and everybody was proud of me. I stuck stuck it out in a situation where I shouldn't have far longer than I should have. But I eventually, because I was just increasingly miserable and probably this was the only time in my life where I've ever really been depressed, um, I walked away. I walked away without having a plan, without knowing what I was going to do with my life whatsoever. Uh, But I knew that that wasn't it. And through a set of circumstances, almost random, if if you will, or connected, if you believe in that sort of thing. I just overheard a couple people talking in a supermarket and they were talking about, you know, they almost, you know, frantically about their teenage kids who were on social media back in the day. This was my space. Facebook wasn't really a thing yet. And so they were, you know, well, you know, they're sharing pictures and what does this mean? And I, I just, I I kind of butt in and I said, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but, you know, I've got some expertise in technology and security and whatnot. And so they said, oh, uh, you know, that's amazing information. Will you come speak to my school? So all of a sudden now I went from having nothing to do to I go to a school and I'm speaking to a PTO, you know, and putting fear in their eyes and their hearts just by what I was telling them about Internet safety and and I didn't uh, didn't want to scare them, but just wanted to help them. And that felt good. And it actually made me feel like my tech background wasn't fully going to waste when I was doing that. And and, uh, you know, one of these uh, a parent comes up from the audience who happened to be a police officer for that city's cybercrime unit. I don't know why that guy wasn't giving this speech, but he, he was like, wow, oh, that was really good. Would you partner up with us? And And so now I'm on the tour with the police. And I'm doing these, you know, big, big auditoriums with lots of people and talking about cyber safety. And, and you know, one thing led to another. And then after that, I was told uh, at one of these schools, hey, you know, you're you're a good speaker. And you know, would you mind being a mentor? We have a lot of female mentors, but we have a lot of male at-risk students. And there really aren't that many males. There's not enough to match up. And I wasn't doing anything. So I said, sure. So I did that. And mentoring is kind of like, you know, pseudo therapy, I guess, you know, and I liked being part of that process of helping that kid and then decided to apply to graduate school. And so, kind of, the rest is history in terms of me becoming a doctor. Although I, I felt, at least in terms of the podcast, that while it was really awesome that I get to connect with, you know, in, patients on a one on one basis, I wanted to do something larger. I wanted to, you know, connect with people and help others on a grander scale which is when I came up with the idea for the podcast.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question. So many questions. <laughs> um I, so one, I mean it it that you're you have so much in your background that I feel like we could go down a million paths. The one I want to go down is this near death experience piece and you talked about time slowing down, you talked about all the things that you thought about. There's some people listening here who hopefully will not have to go through a near-death experience. What would you say was the thing that you learned from that, the lesson, the way that you began thinking about your life that is transferable to somebody listening right now that could give them that same sense of renewed drive, passion, and purpose?
1: Well, you said purpose there, Jeff, and that that's what it was, and that really put me on a path to become purpose-driven. So what I would say to, to the listener who hopefully doesn't have to crash their car is that from my position, everything we do needs to be purpose-driven. And that's as people, that's as spouses, parents, business owners, You know, kind of to me the, the thing that if you can find a way to find something you're passionate about, that that thing you're passionate about helps make the world a better place and you can find a way to make a living doing it, that's the trifecta right there that, you know, there's nothing wrong as a business owner with, you know, hey, let's let's focus on increased revenue for Q4. And, and, you know, that's that's what we do as business owners. Right. Like that makes sense. But fundamentally, I believe that our our missions as human beings and as corporations should be altruistic in nature. And if that's our focus, then we win. We all win. That's awesome.
0: Um, wow. How do you – hold on. Let me think how I want to phrase this. Because you you had mentioned, um, you know, I said purpose. You grabbed onto that. You ran with it. One of the, the things at my agency that I look at as a criterion people is being purpose-driven. And I want to ask you about that piece of it because you went through this experience and – you decided to find a purpose of some sort or to somehow that happened. I, I don't know if it came up by way of just the events that presented themselves to you afterwards. You just kind of stumbled upon it or were you very thoughtful about it? What is in your mind the process to becoming purpose? How do you find the thing that, because that's the question, right? That's the big question that all humanity has. What is the meaning of life, right? And you're talking about Finding your purpose that you as an individual can latch onto and go towards. How did you come upon doing that, or was it more of an organic experience that presented itself? Or is there a process it, to it?
1: I mean, there's there's a process to everything, but for me it, it did unfold organically. You know, like I said, I well I didn't say that, you know, prior to quitting my job. I mean, I was, I was working essentially 80 hours a week and miserable and I went from 80 to zero and then had all of this time for kind of introspection and, and, you know, not so much, Oh, what went wrong? It was like, well, what, what comes next? And I think part of the process is, is finding out what you're passionate about. So, you know, it's it's not the same for everybody. You know, what you're passionate about is, is probably not the same as what, you know, I'm passionate about. And, and so first you have to kind of figure out who you are in that sense. And, you know, the, the best ways to kind of jumpstart that process. And and I'm looking back now with many, many years of, of, you know, trial and error, so to speak, is journaling, reading, meditation, like all of these things that, that all the self-help guys talk about. But, you know, when we write in particular, we find patterns, you know, I would, I would have my patients write what are called thought records. You know that they would essentially be tracking their their feelings and their reactions to certain situations to find patterns. And while that's certainly helpful as a therapeutic technique for those that are having anxiety or depression, you can do the same thing in your own personal life. You know if there are certain elements of your job, for example, that you really like but that you don't really like, taking stock of that is helpful because when we can narrow down and get to the 10 to 20% that we really are fired up about, then we can begin to implement strategies to get rid of the 80% that doesn't really push us forward in any meaningful way.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. I like the idea of this finding your thought pattern that I I write a lot and I find that I write about a lot of the same concepts over and over to the point where I'll even sometimes write a blog post and I'm like, I feel like I've actually written this exact blog post before. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of interesting. Um, so what is what's, – what's your kind of outcome then with the My Daily Helping and with all the work that you're doing towards you know, making the world a better place, all of, all of the altruistic uh, ambitions that you have? How are you going to measure success? Are you looking for a certain number of people that are that are using My Daily Helping? Is there an impact that says to you, my work here is done? Or like how are you going about tracking that the purpose that you've set out for yourself is one that you're actually accomplishing, or is it just a gut?
1: So that's a great question and you know certainly the mission of my show is is not something that you can really quantify right like Jeff you're not going to wake up 3 weeks from today and say you know uh, on your blog attention everybody I am now officially the best version of who I am going to ever be right it's aspirational in nature so you know anybody who is listening to my show they probably are are plugged into You know, more of that self-help mindset anyhow. But the the show's movement itself is very much quantifiable. And my goal is to get a million people every day to post on their social media with the hashtag MyDailyHelping and do an act of kindness. Because if we can get a million people to commit an act of kindness every day. Think about that. One million people who are going out of their way consciously to do something nice for other people. Then all of a sudden that can be, then the next goal can become 5 million and then 10. And now we're really talking about seismic change. So, you know, I, I tell people this can be done in any, any number of ways, you know, for, for people that are really busy you know, you schedule it, you schedule it just like you schedule going to get a haircut that you're going to go volunteer somewhere. Uh, I often Will you know when I'm getting gas? Everybody has to get gas for their car. I just see somebody who's about to put their credit card in a pump and ask them if I can buy their gas, or I buy the groceries for the person in line behind me, which freaks people out because they don't think I'm for real. And then when they find out I'm serious, they can watch their whole facial expression change, and it's it's an amazing transformation it's just as simple as smiling or holding the door open for somebody else so there are many many ways that we can make a difference in the lives of others and that's that's what i want to get people to do
0: absolutely dig what you're doing tell people where they can go learn more about uh what you're doing where they can find your podcast where they can connect with you online and uh if if they were to go do one nice thing today what would you suggest they go do
1: so you can find me at thedailyhelping.com that's kind of this the central universe for everything that we're doing as it relates to the podcast and then we've also got an app for the show in iTunes and in the Google Play Store, which you can just search for The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster, that pops up nicely there. And I'm in all of the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Uh, I do encourage everybody who listens to my show at the end. It's, it's my call to actions. Hey, go out there and do something nice for somebody else. So what I would say is, is here's what I, I will challenge you guys to do who are listening to this. Like, It's one thing, yeah, you're going to go you know, give your coworker a, a shoulder massage or, or something. I'm going to encourage you to do something nice for somebody you don't know. Because, And here's the little secret that I'll, I'll leave everybody with is that we know through neuroscience is that the biological mechanisms in our brain which respond to reward and pleasure, uh, those light up in the exact same way whether we give or whether we receive. And our society is so focused on receiving, but it feels just as good to give. So go surprise yourself and surprise somebody else today. And it can be any gesture, like I said, opening the door. you want to buy somebody some gas or, or buy their groceries, uh, you know give your neighbor you know bake them, make them dinner, whatever. like there's so many different ways that you can go help other people, but the key is to get out there and do it.
0: I love it. My daily act of kindness for today is that I have brought you to, through the airwaves to all of our listeners. You're all welcome. <laughs> so for me and Caroline, I just want to thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, I think thank you that, for
1: sharing your story yeah, with us. Your story is it's fantastic.
0: Incredible. Um sorry to go through all of that to get there, but really glad that you did. I love your your ambition and purpose of getting a million people because then the snowball effect of, let's say, 10, 15, 20% of the people that they do something nice for, do something nice for somebody else, the snowball effect is going to be amazing. And finally, thank you for giving us our first Nicolas Cage reference of Season 3. It doesn't often happen, but when it does, we like to call it out and we like to thank you for
1: it. How many, how many Nicolas Cage references have you had so far? I think that's literally Not a single first. one. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm proud to be the first (laughs) Yeah. yeah
0: you don't say so that was fantastic thank you for coming on the show i think this episode was fantastic and if i had to call it one other thing what would i call it shareable
1: there are a couple thank yous and shout outs in order first thank you to ray bueno for all of that sexy production value and a quick thank you to me for producing the show I'd like to send a shout-out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and A. Humitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, at jgibbard, and you can follow me, at caroline tassone. You can follow the show, at shareable underscore pod, and just shareable podcast on everything else. That's Facebook, the gram, everything. You can email us at shareablepodcast at gmail.com.
0: Subscribe to our email list at shareablepodcast.com slash subscribe do all the things subscribe to the show leave us a rating review us on itunes tell a friend tell your mom i don't know she might like it my mom does hey mom